This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 211, recorded Monday, March 23rd, 2015. It's now officially spring, although spring. it doesn't, doesn't feel like it around here. It's cold, but it's spring. Yeah, it's spring. We, we we got through a solar eclipse. We got through a super moon. We got through the spring equinox. Is that what that's called? Yeah. The vernal equinox? Is that, is that a autumnal, thing? Yeah, autumnal, <laughs> That sounds more like an autumn thing. Anyways, it's spring now, but I'm complaining because it was minus 10 today in Toronto, and I don't feel very good about that. Well, it was okay with me. I don't care about minus 10. Minus 10 is fine. All right. Well, it sucks if you ask me. I'd like a little warmer weather. And hey, I'm totally aware that it could be worse. I know people out east who are under 14 feet of snow, so sucks to be them. Yes, it does. (laughs) All right. Uh, We are here, of course, to talk about the latest episode of The Walking Dead, which uh, which was on on Sunday night. Uh, But first... Today and tomorrow, Jason, are the last two days to vote for the podcast awards. Podcastawards.com. Okay. (laughs) Good. Glad I'm here to remind you. I sent out a reminder on Twitter earlier today and on Facebook. So by the time you hear this, today will probably be over. So, you know, as of right about now, it's about 24 hours left in the voting period. So you will have one more day to vote. And I hope you do. Uh, As Jason said, you go to podcastawards.com, choose the Talking Dead in the entertainment category, and please do that before tomorrow, March 24th evening, because that's when it closes. Right. And yeah, vote now and vote often. Well, every day. Now and tomorrow. Now and tomorrow, if you can. Um, If you listened to our Ask Us Anything podcast, which came out a couple of days ago on Saturday... You will know that Jason and I made a promise on that show to do something if we win this award. Yeah. And in case you didn't listen to it, I should let everyone know what we'll do and what we've decided or promised, possibly foolishly, is to actually sit down and record an entire episode of The Walking Dead. So do all the voices, do all the dialogue, maybe some sound effects. You never know. Well, I don't know about sound effects. Well, we'll have to see. There, there could be sound effects, but it's going to be quite an undertaking. It may involve more people than just us, but we got to win first. So make sure you get those final votes in if that's the kind of thing you want to hear. And if not, well, please vote anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if you don't want to hear that, vote anyway. That's right. Uh, all right, so podcastawards.com for that. And you won't have to hear me whine about that at all anymore after this podcast so uh until next year until next year but you get a whole 12 months off a whole year off so yeah all right i'm gonna play an entry speaking of our record your favorite scene contest i'm going to play this entry from zdenyek in the czech republic Ooh. i need to speak with you privately satan he disguises himself as the angel of light I'm afraid that false light is here, inside these walls. Your community? You say it's not a paradise, but it is. I'm grateful to be here. I am. 
but you made a mistake letting in the others. Rick, his group, they're not good people. They've done things. They've done unspeakable things. You're wrong. They can't be trusted. They're dangerous. You may believe that they did what they had to do. That they were afraid and so... Th the day will come when they put their own lives before yours and everyone else's. They will destroy everything you have here. Everything you've been working so hard to build. Satan, he disguises himself as the angel of light. His servants are false apostles of righteousness. They don't deserve this. They don't deserve paradise. I only wish I'd come to you sooner. Did I just... I hope it isn't too late. Amazing. Thank you, Zdeniak. That was uh, Father Gabriel, if he had a Czech accent. Yeah. Oh, Gabriel. <laughs> poor, poor Gabriel. Um, we'll see what happens with him. But uh, thanks for that entry. That was fantastic. You've got about a week, about a week to get those final entries in. We're going to close the entries um, around roughly around a Wednesday night next week, so about nine days from now. Um, and uh, that gives you some time if there's something in next week's season finale that you really want to record to do so. So get them in. We look forward to all the last few entries and then picking the winner, which is going to be fun because we get to listen to these all over again. How many do we have now? Do you know? Off the top of my head, no. But uh, I think it went a little slower than last year's record your favorite scene contest but we've at least caught up now and possibly eclipsed the number of entries from last year but uh, so what do we got four or five well i've played many more than that on the show so are you uh, sure i'm pretty sure all right <laughs> you've been paying attention oh yeah very good so at least five then at least five yeah uh, but if, you know, you still have a week, nine days actually to get more in. So, uh, record them, send them over to us. There's been a slight uptick in the last week or so, I think with entries. So cool. Good times. Um, okay. Coming up next is our recap for this week's episode of the, of, uh, the walking dead. And it was called. Try. Thank you, Amar in Bedford, UK for that. <laughs> hilariously and awesomely creepy read of the title try in case you didn't get that from the, his recording <laughs> oh i got it it was awesome it was very very good okay jason you ready i am so ready all right so we open up with a walker in the forest and as he's stumbling along he steps on sasha's family photo target practice uh picture bastard <laughs> that's right and uh, we cut over to Deanna and we see her with her family in their house, I guess, and they're mourning Aiden's death. So we just skipped right over the arrival of everybody back to Alexandria in the van. And I guess we didn't need to see what sort of took place there because everybody's back and Deanna and her family are in their house and they're sitting there in the dark with some candles on at this point. And they pull out a CD and it says run mix on it and she puts it in to, I guess, listen to the music that Aiden liked to listen to while he was on runs. Right. And it turns out it's a song by Nine Inch Nails. Oh, Trent Reznor. Yeah, Trent Reznor. I did not recognize the song, but I recognized his voice. Yeah, me too. I didn't know <laughs> this song either. No. 
Um, we see Carol. She's cooking a tuna casserole and writing a card. And while she's doing that, we finally, in the first time since they've like gotten to Alexandria, we see baby Judith on a baby monitor. She's up in her crib asleep, or lying there anyway. She's been there for like four or five days now, I guess. I guess so. That's where they put her, and that's it. So Carol not only has been cooking and wearing nice cardigan sweaters and threatening little boys, but she's been taking care of Judith, too. Yeah, until she's old enough to shoot. And that's right. And then she's on her own. <laughs> yeah. No, old enough for Carol to shoot. Oh, right. Old. Yeah. Carol, even she has limits. She won't shoot a baby. Yeah. No, yeah. You don't shoot a baby. You wait till they grow up to be a little girl. Then right. you shoot it. Right. Or you get Rick to do it. Either way. <laughs> Either way. Uh, while she's in the kitchen, though, we see Sam looking at her through the window. There he is. He's always hanging around, that guy. Creepy little bastard. Yep. We see Sasha. She's up in the tower having a bit of a... You know, a bit of a mental breakdown, a bit of a hard time up there. Um, the walker that we saw in the forest, he comes to the road and he turns toward the gate of Alexandria. We cut back over to the um, Deanna and her family, and Reg, with tears in his eyes, asks to turn the music off. Yeah, because Trent Reznor made, makes him sad. Well, Trent Reznor, you know, I don't mind Nine Inch Nails, but Trent Reznor might make me sad in that circumstance as well. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, Carol, she leaves the food at their door with a card that says, we're truly sorry for your loss. Yeah, that's nice. Tuna casserole. Yeah, it's it's nice. But, you know, I can see why Deanna comes to the door, picks up the card and leaves the food there. Why? You think she's got enough food? She doesn't need any food? She wants to leave it out? Well, maybe, but I think she's also not really feeling all that friendly towards these people right now. She probably blames you know, uh, Glenn or some of them for what happened to her son. Yeah, well, she's wrong. <laughs> she's wrong, but I what I'm saying is I just don't blame her for sort of feeling that way. Right. You know, it's like if I, you know, if I went and ran over your cat with my car yeah. and then I brought a uh, pizza to your door, you might not want to eat the pizza, right? I, I mean, like pizza. Even though I ran over your cat? Well, you'd be, you were sorry about running over my cat, right? Yeah. Like you'd be, you brought the pizza as an apology pizza. It's true. Who am I to refuse an apology pizza? Okay. Well, it's on the pizza. If you ran over my cat, my beloved cat, I don't care which one, and you came over with an apology pizza, what would you put on this apology pizza? Well, knowing you, I'd make sure there was cheese on there. I like, do you like the cheese? Maybe some meat of some kind, like a a pepperoni or, or a chicken. I don't know. Do you like chicken? Uh, well, I, I, I like pepperoni more. Maybe a little Italian sausage would be okay. I'd do the pepperoni, and uh, this is ridiculous. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So we got an apology tuna casserole. An apology tuna casserole. That's right. Uh, anyways, the, um, the zombie that's outside the gate is now pushing on the gate. So the zombie made it there, but Sasha takes it out. She's sniping from that tower. And we see another zombie... And then we see Daryl shoot a bolt through its head. So now we're with Daryl and Aaron out on their their recruitment mission, their quest. That's right. The quest with Daryl and Aaron. That, that's a book I'd read. There you go. Um, Aaron makes a comment about there being more walkers than there used to be. So I think that's an interesting and appropriate comment after we were wondering why there are so many around after Deanna said there's no people here. That's true. So there are more walkers in the area. They look off and they see a light off in the distance in the forest. What could that be? I Ooh. think it's uh, 
Well, I think it's a fire. I think somebody lit a fire off in the distance there. I don't think it's a, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's an encampment of aliens or anything like that. I think it's a fire. It's not aliens, really? Really. <laughs> All right. Well, it's probably a fire. Who knows who it is? I think it's interesting, though. They are, they're basically tailing someone now, trying to catch up with them. I, at this point, I think they think they might want to recruit them. Or, you know, at least learn about them. You know, if there's a fire off in the distance and you're you're out looking for people, or even not, you know, if I was out there in the middle of the zombie apocalypse and I saw a fire off in the distance, I might go sneak over and see what the heck is going on. Maybe they have a boar roasting on a spit someplace and uh, I'm hungry, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, at, at the very least, they want to figure out who they are and find out if they're recruitment Alexandria material. Yeah. Oh my God, what if they had a pizza oven? <laughs> and they put pepperoni, green yep. peppers, mushrooms, oh. and maybe a little Italian sausage. No green peppers. Mushrooms, no. pineapple, Italian sausage. The pineapple is, I'll eat it, but I'm not on board. Wrong. Uh, okay, so what's not wrong is that we now go to the opening credits, and when those are done, we come back, and uh, we've got Nicholas and Glenn, and now they're both telling their version of the story about what happened out at the solar uh, factory. We see Nicholas on tape, so he's been taped by Deanna, and she's watching it. But we see Glenn on the porch of their house talking to Rick. And long story short, Glenn is telling the truth about what happened, and Nicholas is making up a story about Glenn wanting to kill him and not caring, basically. Yeah, Nicholas is a jerk. He's a bit of a jerk. And Deanna says that on tape to Nicholas that they can't have guns or leave the town until she's done looking into this. Um, Glenn says that he almost left Nick left Nick there, but they decided to load him in the truck, I guess. Yep. Um, Rick says to Glenn that the Alexandrians, Alexandrians clearly don't know what they're doing, but Glenn kind of argues back with him on this. He says, we are them now. We got to make this work no matter what happened out there. You know, they might want to kick us out. I don't want to be kicked out. Right. Which I, I think is interesting. It's very interesting. Did you notice that uh, when Deanna was watching the uh, the video of Nicholas that she kind of looked, sort of looked like Emperor Palpatine? Was that really? Just a little bit. Just like her hair was like uh, on the side of her face and it kind of looked like she was wearing a hood. And uh, she just looked very serious. I just, I, I was reminded of uh, Emperor Palpatine there just for a little while. That's weird because I... I think, unless I'm misremembering, I think a listener wrote in after the first episode she was on and compared her to Emperor Palpatine somehow. Well, there you go. I have to, I'd have to go back and find that that email, but uh, clearly she's got a Palpatine look going on here. Okay, so she's Emperor Palpatine, and her husband is Darth Vader because he's building the Death Star, a.k.a. the walled town. Uh-huh. Right. So, and then we have uh, Han Solo and the uh, you know our intrepid heroes sh- getting caught in a tractor beam and showing up and uh, fucking some shit up. They're gonna come back and they gotta destroy this place. They're gonna have to go and shoot something uh, into the exhaust port right below the main port, and then the whole damn thing's gonna blow up. So, The Walking Dead is really just Star Wars. Well, I think this season is Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> well, if Palpatine is there and and Darth Vader is there, yep. who's Yoda? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I haven't figured that part out yet, but I'll let you know. Carl. <laughs> you think Carl's Yoda? Well, I don't know. He's short. Wouldn't he's he gonna, be Luke? He's going to be a Jedi Master someday. Well, he'd be Luke then. He's the young... Uh, he's Adelon, young, that's yeah. right. 
So okay. uh, his dad happens to be uh, Han Solo, of course. Right. Now it's getting weird. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a little weird, but what are you going to do? Now it's getting weird. <laughs> um, all right. Trying to stay on track here. Um, what I what I was going to say about this, this scene here is Glenn seems like he is genuinely sorry and concerned about what happened out there. And I think he feels like he actually really did F things up and, and he wants to make it right. Yeah. Whereas Nicholas is just kind of like, I just want to protect myself. Yeah, he's covering his ass. He's covering his ass, exactly. Yeah. So he won't own up to what he did, running away, getting people killed, things like that. No, when in doubt, lie. That seems to be his modus operandi. Yes, it is. Uh, is that the right word, operandi? I don't know. Pretty well, close. yes, it's, yeah. Modus okay. operandi is the correct phrase. Good, thank you. Um, Carol is watching Jesse and Sam sit on their porch from her own porch, I guess. And Rick comes up and asks if, uh, Rick comes up and she asks if he's thought about Pete. Uh, she says Sam has told her about more fights that they've had. One time he found Jesse unconscious and bleeding on the floor, which is not good. And Rick kind of questions why Carol cares about them so much. And she points out to Rick that, well, you should care too. And that's because you obviously have feelings for Jesse. I can tell. Yeah. Um, but I'm, there's, on one hand, I'm, I'm glad that at this scene, Rick is sort of questioning her because remember last time we said, if Rick just goes over and shoots the guy in the face, I'm going to, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to be disappointed by that. But on the other hand, it seems like things are sort of lining up to play out in the most expected way here. Right, right, right. And there's not going to be any twist on anything, which I was kind of hoping there would be. Um... So Rick walks out towards the pond in the middle of town, and he sees a red balloon tied to a toy boat. Only one. Just just not 99? Not 99, just one red balloon. <laughs> one single red balloon tied to a boat. He takes his gun out of his pants, and he's holding it, and Pete comes up behind him, seems a bit drunk, I think. You think so? I don't know. I thought he seemed a little bit, uh, a little bit drunk. And uh, Pete calls for Rick, but Rick doesn't really answer, turns around, gives him the Rick Grimes look of death, and tells him to keep walking. That's right. And uh, Pete gets the point and moves along. I thought it was interesting in this scene that Rick takes the gun out of his pants before Pete arrives. He was going to shoot the balloon. Is that what he was going to do? Well, that's what I assumed he was going to do. When you see a balloon tied to a boat, a boat and you have a gun, you shoot the balloon. Perfect opportunity for some target practice, I guess. Balloon shooting, yeah. Balloon shooting. <laughs> well, if, I guess, but he doesn't end up shooting the balloon. No, that's thought. because uh, that's because he showed up. That guy showed up. So then he considered shooting him, but restrained himself. Well, yeah, he was so pissed off that he got caught just about to shoot a balloon that uh, he was, he said, you know, basically, Pete, if you don't leave, I'm going to shoot you instead of the balloon because I'm going to shoot something. Right. I'm holding the gun. I got to shoot something. That's okay. Right. Well... If he wasn't going to shoot the balloon, I just thought it was an interesting order of things here where takes the gun out and then Pete shows up. I mean, I could see Pete coming up behind him and Rick, like he kind of did when he saw Pete and Jesse walking down the street a couple of episodes. My theory there was, is that he put his hand to his gun just in case Pete tried to do something crazy all of a sudden and right. Rick would be able to protect, protect himself. I thought maybe... Um, 
in this case, you know, he had the gun out even sooner and, um, you know, I think he was thinking about what he might do, uh, but he restrained himself, which I think is good. It is good. Not so we shooting come back, someone in the face is always a good thing. Always a good thing. Yeah. We come back from a commercial break and now we're with Michonne. She's waking up at 6.30 a.m. I thought it was sort of funny here. I mean, she sleeps in her clothes. On but, top of the bedding. Yeah, I guess. So I guess it's pretty warm out. Um, but again, in the zombie apocalypse, if you've been out on the on the road for that long, you, you'd probably be used to sleeping in your clothes. So maybe that's what she likes doing now. Well, yeah, you got to be ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But inside Alexandria, that's not as much of a concern. Anyways, uh, she looks over at her basket of laundry and she takes out Noah's shirt, which I thought was a nice moment. Poor Noah. Um, and then as she's laying her police uniform out on the bed, Rosita comes in. She says Tara is stable and hanging on, so we know that Tara's not dead. She's recovering, although we don't see her in this episode. Yep. And Rosita mentions that Sasha spent the night in the tower and is now outside the walls by herself doing something. So Rosita and Michonne go out looking for her because I guess they're concerned. They don't want her to be going crazy out there by herself. And as they're walking, they mention that it's the first time both of them have been outside since they arrived, mm-hmm. which That's I didn't r- really notice, but it's true. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, they're out for a nice walk. Yeah, they're looking for Sasha, basically, going yeah. for a nice walk. Uh, they talk about getting comfortable in Alexandria, but neither of them want to forget what the world is really like. So I think it's important to get outside the walls once in a while. Yeah, and that that's true for everybody, really. Well, just in general, inside zombie apocalypse or not, it's good to get outside your walls every now and again. Yeah, and and so you don't forget what the world is like outside your own house. Yeah, and it's important to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. Uh, Yeah, that's right, that's right. Okay, so Rick, uh, we cut back over to what he's doing. He approaches Deanna, who is standing over four graves. Now, I assume these are the four graves of the Alexandrians that Nicholas sort of was involved in getting killed on a previous run. Right. Um, Rick says he's sorry, and then he immediately brings up Pete, and he wants to know what they're going to do about Pete. Deanna admits to him that she knows about it, but uh, Pete's a surgeon, so they need him, and what can they really do? Well, they can stop him. You know, well, if this is civilization, then uh, you got to have a rule of law. You can't just, you know, let it go because he's, well, he's a surgeon, so he gets a pass on beating his family. You can't, you can't do that. No, I, I agree with you. You can't do that. And, and that's kind of Rick's, you know, argument. He wants to separate them, but then he says he'll kill Pete if, if Pete doesn't lay off eventually. But Deanna has none of this, and she says this is civilization. And in some ways, I can see both sides of this argument. Like, I, I get that Rick says, you know, he doesn't get a pass just because of where we are or our circumstances. But it's a tough call because you can't... You know, it's not like in actual society where there are lots of people and big cities and you can separate people by hundreds or thousands of kilometers if you need to. Here, it's like, what are you going to move Pete into the house next door? You know, he can... cross town. He's still right there. Cross town, it doesn't matter. He's still right there. Unless you physically lock him up or restrain him, you can't really keep him, keep them apart in any meaningful way, right? No, not without, uh, you know, physical restraints. You know, you can you can surgeonize all you want, but at, at the end of the day, you're going to be chained to your bedpost and have a good night. 
Yeah, I guess so. And the other thing is, like, Pete has more, he probably has more meaningful recourse in this kind of society than he would in the real world. Because, like, if they try to separate him, maybe he, you know, maybe he accepts that, but he says, fine, I'm not performing surgery anymore. I'm not going to be your town doctor anymore because I don't agree with this. You can't do that. Well, he could. No, you you can't. His Hippocratic Oath, I, I believe, is uh, you treat the person in front of you and do no harm. So, uh, you know, if they if somebody's hurt and they put him in front of the, of of Pete, he's got to do something about it. His... Well, yes, Hippocratic Oath, notwithstanding, sure. But I don't think in this scenario that would mean as much to him as it might when there would be actual repercussions from doing something like that. All right, uh, work on that guy. I'm going to beat you until you do. How about that for a Hippocratic oath? <laughs> yeah, how about that for uh, <laughs> hypocrite behavior? <laughs> um, all I'm saying is I, I can see the problem here. I'm going to take know, this needle and I'm going to inject you with air bubbles until you, you know, work on that guy. <laughs> well, see, now you're back to Rick's side. I'll kill the guy. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to kill. It's just air bubbles. It could be very painful. You get the bends, but you, you wouldn't die. I'm pretty sure that kills you. You inject an air bubble into the bloodstream, that goes to your heart, you're dead. Well, you could die, yes, but I think you get the bends. That's, you know, the nitrogen builds air bubbles in your in your, uh, in your your joints and stuff. Well, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on the internet, and I'm pretty sure that's almost always fatal. Not always. I said almost. Well, not. I don't even think it's almost. It can be fatal, I think, is how it falls. All anyway. right. Well, anyway, um, I'm just saying, like, I, I think just by talking about this we've kind of proven the point that there is no good recourse here but there's a middle ground there's not just like death or nothing there's like there's a middle ground here you know you can only eat wheaties until you uh you know smarten up and stop beating your wife you know there's 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 a middle ground besides uh killing him or letting him do whatever the hell he wants but I can't find my, I can't come to any sort of consensus with myself on what that middle ground is in this scenario because I don't see either side. Well, I see one side as being extreme and that's killing him. And I don't see any way to properly enforce and uphold the other side. Well, they have lots of people. They can curtail his freedoms in some way. Well, that's no, what you have no to do. No more beer. <laughs> yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to curtail his freedoms, but that in this scenario is essentially lock him up. Lock he can't leave one room of one house. He's locked in there and you deliver all the flat food you can by sliding it under the door, like a pizza, an apology pizza, or a pancake or yeah. or some sort of crepe or something. No tuna casserole, that's for sure. No, you'd have to squish that bit by bit under the door and it just wouldn't be as good on the other side. <laughs> it might be I don't know. Um, anyways, Rick decides that in the scene, he says he stops or he dies, and Deanna says we exile him. So that's her solution, that we kick people out. And that's actually, in my opinion, the only thing you could do that would actually stop the violence, but also not be as extreme as killing the dude. Yeah, but that's like a horrible solution. First of all, exile pretty much means death, or... It comes back to bite you in the ass. And Rick knows better than to exile people because that shit's going to come back to bite you in the ass for sure. Yeah, I know. And and again, I'm not saying it's a perfect solution, but when I don't like the other two options, that seems like, that to me seems like the middle ground that you're looking for, exile. Cut his feet off and then exile him. 
take that. Well, then you're back to murder. <laughs> Not necessarily. You're back. You're at. You're at bodily maiming. <laughs> That's true. Even worse. Is that so wrong? No, of course not. Um, anyhow, let's move on. Michonne and Rosita, they're out uh, trailing Sasha. They find some dead walkers. They're following her trail, and Michonne thinks that Sasha is hunting them. Right. She's out looking for a good time hunting walkers. Now, in the forest, Carl is following Enid, but she totally knows because <laughs> she starts talking to him and says, why are you following me? And apparently it's because Carl is very loud. Yeah. So in all these months out in the wilderness, he hasn't learned how to walk through a forest without stepping on twigs and making loud cracking noises. It's very difficult to do. Sure, but you when have you have Daryl Dixon walk. around, when you have Mr. Dixon around training you, come Does on. Does he know how to ghost walk? I guess he's a hunter, so he would know how to ghost walk. He would, I would think, and I assume that just means walk silently. Well, it's uh, you. It requires a visual, but you put your heel down, and then you roll on the side of your foot, and then place your foot down gently so you and then you take another step you put your heel down you roll to the side of your foot then you put your whole foot down gently and you move along like that and it's very very quiet and slow i bet oh yeah yeah very very slow but you can walk down a gravel road like that and be you know completely quiet but you have to watch out for snapping twigs and stuff so you have to kind of shuffle your way in you know uh, rustling leaves snapping twigs uh stepping on a cattail or a raccoon Right. Always always very loud. Uh, don't step on skunks. They're not necessarily loud, but, well, we all know why. Yeah, we all know why. A raccoon stepped on me once. Scared the crap out of me. Oh, yeah? Were you sleeping? I was, no, I was standing at my barbecue, and this stupid raccoon came up beside me. I didn't even see it. And it walked across my foot, and when it stepped on my foot, scared the crap out of me, I jumped in the air and ran the other way because I was just so startled. And, of course, that freaked out the raccoon, and it turned around and ran the other way, but I have no idea what it was doing there and why it was so close to me. I'm lucky it didn't bite me in the leg. You think the raccoon is telling a very similar story to his family right now? The raccoon is probably recording a podcast as we speak. Well, telling I don't know this about story. that. I mean, the raccoons don't have technology, but do you think they're like, this is guy. I was just like hanging out near the uh, uh, the burnt food place over uh, over there, and uh, all of a sudden this dude comes out, and oh my God, I was so scared, and I screamed, and he screamed, and we all ran away. I think that's probably how the story went from his perspective, yeah. yeah. Okay. This is just out of control. Um, so Enid is talking to Carl. She says that he scares her, but he says it's not safe out her out here. And he, Carl then asks what she does out here, and her response is same thing as you. And then they run off together in slow motion. Does that mean following <laughs> me? Well, I wanted to ask you. I didn't quite understand what she meant by this, and it could come back to her you know, wanting to go outside the walls to, of course, remember what it's like out there and stay tough and not get soft in Alexandria. But is that it? Or was she trying to get at something else? Because I think I missed it. Uh, I kind of missed it too. I don't, uh, the only things I can think of are following somebody, just wanting to get outside of the walls, or uh, I'm a teenage boy and she's a teenage girl and damn it, I'm going to follow her until she kisses me. Yeah. But I don't know if she's doing that. Any I don't of think that. that's... Yeah, I don't think that's what she's doing necessarily. So I, I wasn't quite clear on what she meant by that, but they run off together in slow motion. So that's a total teenage thing to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I used to run around in slow motion. All the time. You know, chase girls in slow-mo. Those oh, were yeah. good times. Good times. 
After a commercial break, we come back and Carl and Enid, Enid were still with them and they come across a walker. She takes out an egg timer and throws it to distract the walker. Nice. Time a time bomb. It's it's a great idea. What I didn't like is you do that, then you use that opportunity to run up behind the walker or shoot it or stab it in the head or whatever, and then get your egg timer back so you can do that again. Because, you know, egg timers, there probably aren't that many of them lying around, but it's kind of a good technique. Ah, oh, her backpack is full of egg timers. That's all she's got in there, right? Yeah, she's got a whole bag full of them. That's what she does. That's what she's doing outside. That's what she assumes Carl's doing is collecting egg timers to distract zombies. I think I've walked around this planet for 40 years now. I'm not sure I've ever seen an egg timer lying on the ground. Well, that's because it's not the zombie apocalypse. You go into people's houses and you look through their cupboards and the back of their stoves, and I bet you you find egg timers all over the place. Maybe. We cut over to Nicholas, and he's cleaning the blood out of the van, which I guess... Good thing to do. Good thing to do, yeah. Glenn comes over, and he confronts him about all the recent deaths that have taken place. Glenn calls him weak, a coward, etc., and he says that Nick will not be going outside these walls again, and uh, that's that, because he is not qualified to do these things if he's going to behave in such a manner. You're a dumbass. You stay here. Pretty much. And, you know, Glenn um, says that he's saving Nicholas after Nicholas questions, you know, what he's doing and how can he, how can, how would Glenn dare to tell him what to do? Yeah. And, you know, I felt like in this scene, I, I watched it and the first time I watched it, I sort of felt like this was kind of like the battle of two bad mustaches. <laughs> it's a mustache fight. It's It kind of is. If you look at these two guys, they both have a bit of a mustache going. And, you know, it was kind of funny. It, it, it took me out of the scene a little bit. And that's just totally me and stupid, I know. But I couldn't help but look at the mustaches. It was like Shane's ears. Once you notice the ears, you couldn't see anything else. Yeah, those are pretty damn huge ears. I some... think their mustaches are fine. There's nothing wrong with these guys, their their mustaches. Both of them are a little weak. That's all I'm saying. Well, they're just young guys with mustaches. Sure. And they don't they have need... the uh, the 38 years of uh, mustache-grown experience that you have. Yeah, I got at least that many years because I grew a mustache when I was one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I've seen pictures. Yeah, I was a mustachioed baby. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, I think it's good that Glenn confronted Nicholas and said that this is it, you're done. Um, I will have none of this, but you know, I kind of expected them to get in a fight again and have somebody get punched in the face, but it didn't happen. No, I, they weren't going to get into a fight. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Glenn laid down the law, right? And I think ultimately Nicholas kind of accepted it. Well, yeah, because how's he going to fight the fact that, you know, Glenn knows that what he did and he knows what he did. Mm -hmm. You can't fight that. I know. I can I can deny it to other people. I can uh, call you uh you know names and such, but you you know I still have to live with this crap. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so we go over to Carl and Enid again. They sit down in the forest uh, to chat a bit. She says here that she doesn't want to forget what it's like outside the walls. So maybe that's what she was talking about before. Yeah, they just want to get outside the walls and uh, experience reality. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Carl, he admits that he has dreams about it, and so he knows he won't forget. And uh, she says that the other kids wouldn't understand. And, uh, you know, they keep chat- chatting for a minute, but it doesn't really go on much farther because a whole bunch more walkers show up. Yeah. They're all party. over the place. Yeah. 
It is a walker party, yeah. And they get up and they hide together in a hollowed out tree. They just slip right in there together. Well, that's a very convenient, cozy tree. It is. I also think it's the worst place in the world to hide. Like, you're better off running away, I think, than hiding in there. What if a walker comes right up to that tree and notices you're in there? You have nowhere to go. Especially well, I if assume there's like that, five or uh, six of them. Yeah, that's true. I, I assume that this tree was an entrance to an underground lair of some kind. Well, clearly it was not because they did not enter any underground lairs. But it was a, a cozy place for a couple of teenagers uh, to hang out with, uh, you know, generally being close to each other. I agree I, with that. I thought it was very romantic. Well, sure, but I just think they should have just gone in there when they first arrived, if that's what they were going for. They didn't need to be hiding from walkers in there. Um, the walkers pass by, though, so they end up getting lucky. And while well, they're in there... They didn't get lucky. You know what I mean. They got lucky uh, <laughs> They got lucky by hiding from the walkers. Right. Or, or not being noticed by the walkers. Luckily, the walkers didn't notice them. That's a better way of saying it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the walkers pass by, and Carl gently touches Enid's hand. You know, yeah. by Carl's standards, he pretty well got lucky. <laughs> well, I, yeah. He's wrong, though. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> He's like, you know, on his way to first base. Not quite there yet. Um, she says that it's their world, we're just living in it. That was a nice line. It was a nice line. And, um, you know, Carl turns away and is looking out from the tree, and Enid leans in close and says, cool, now I know you're afraid of me, too. Well, yes. And I, how old is Carl? Um... 12, He's 13? In real life or on the show? On the show, Carl. How old is Carl? And how old is Enid? Well, I think Carl, I mean, what, Zombie Apocalypse has been on for two years, two yeah, and a half like years? That. Yeah. And if Carl was nine or 10 when it started, he's in theory only 12, maybe 13 now. All right, let's push it to 14. In real life, he's 15, Chandler Riggs. Okay, so let's go with 15. So these are two 15-year-old kids inside a hollowed-out romantic tree, and they are pretty much pressed up against each other, and they have a moment, and he goes to reach out and touch her hand, and I'm sure he wants to kiss her or or have him or have her kiss him. So I can imagine, you know, being a 15 year old kid and being in that situation, not in that situation, but being in you know closeness to someone and wanting to to make a move to you know have a kiss or whatnot. Very very few times does the girl have a knife. So, and in her hand, there is a, a knife in her hand. You're damn right he's scared of her too. You know, it's, he's either going to get kissed or knifed in this little tiny hollowed out tree. That's got to be unnerving. Except I think the point is he's afraid of either scenario. Well, she's a girl. Right. You know, and if I was a 15-year-old boy and I was pressed up against a 15-year-old girl, I'd be afraid too. Girls are scary, man. Girls are terrifying. <laughs> Especially when you're 15. I'm way older than that. It still unnerves me sometimes. Well, imagine being stuck in a broom closet with a girl you barely know and you're pressed up against each other like that. I'd be terrifying at this age. Yeah, I would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> and my wife would be mad at me unless it was her. And then I wouldn't be uncomfortable and everything would be fine. And everything would be fine. But she wouldn't knife me. I know that. Yeah, I don't know if you know know that. I'm pretty sure my <laughs> okay, wife would good. not knife me for making a move on her. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, me too, actually. All right. Well, Carl 
uh, is they're afraid of each other. That's the end result here. And they don't get eaten by walkers, but uh, go Carl. So They don't kiss either. They do not kiss, which no. is okay. I didn't really want to, I didn't want to see the kiss this soon. Teenage romance? You don't like that? You I'm okay disgusting? With, well, no, I'm okay with teenage romance, but it's not the scenario for, for love. Like there are deadly flesh-eating monsters like right outside your tree and you're going to start making out? I'm sorry. You got to pick your pick a better moment. If I was 15, I wouldn't care. Yeah, like maybe the whole not. world would be coming to an end, and I'm in a hollowed out tree with a 15 year old girl that I like, and I want to kiss. I couldn't give a shit about what was going on outside that tree. And you're 15 too. Let's just make that clear. <laughs> you're not 40. Oh, sorry. Did I not say that out at the beginning? <laughs> no, you. I think you did. I just was reminding everyone. Well, yes. When I was that young and in a situation like that, I wouldn't give a shit about what was going on outside of that tree. All right, let's move on. We get a quick scene now of Nicholas, and he digs up a container with a gun in it, and dun-dun-dun, it's Rick's gun that he hid in the blender, which is now buried in a container. Yeah, so he's the gun thief. He is the gun thief. It's not Enid. It's not anybody else. He's the gun thief, and now he has it. So how did he know it was there? He must have been watching them when they were on their way into Alexandria. That rat bastard. Yep. So he has a gun now with a J on it. Uh, Sasha is in the forest. She's picking off walkers very proficiently, I might add, headshot after headshot. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. We know she's an expert marksman at this point. Mich- Michonne and Rosita show up, and they want to bring her back, but there are lots of walkers around. Sasha continues shooting them, and Michonne starts to have some kind of flashbacks sort of to her with the sword, decapitating walkers. And what I thought was really nice about this scene, we go right back to the very first shot we ever saw of Michonne in the hooded um, cloak and her two pet walkers chained up to her. That was awesome. Yeah, she just uh, was having flashbacks to bloodlust. Yeah, pretty much. Um, But I think she's also, you know, questioning herself and, and just wondering... Here I am out here after being in Alexandria for a while, and you know, this I'm never gonna forget what it's like out here, and I'm I'm gonna keep myself, you know, keep myself uh, tough, and right. it's it's coming back to her, even you know, out of her control, really. Um, so she starts she starts shooting, and Rosita starts stabbing because she doesn't have a gun, which I think is crazy. Um, but she starts stabbing walkers in the head, and Sasha gets tackled by a walker while she's reloading and then Michonne steps up and saves her but Sasha's not that grateful no she's pissed she thinks she had it uh says she doesn't need any help um so I think Sasha kind of feels like you know nothing really has worked out for her and because she lost Bob and she lost Tyrese and now she just wants to get some revenge on these walkers um the thing I didn't like um about this scene is that it's it, it, it felt like it was kind of a cliche scene where you know one of the very last walkers after all this proficient walker killing the very last one is the one that got her and tackled her and it was just in time for another character who was there to save her and it just felt a little formulaic it was a little tropey, but, uh, you know, it's also the uh, the metaphor, right? It's the relentless march of death coming to get you. You can uh, fight it off as, you know, as much as you possibly can. You can even be really good at fighting it off, but uh, eventually 
it's coming to get you. It's not a lot you can do about it. It is, and I I can see that, but I wish it wasn't like the last one that got her, right? Add some more peril. Maybe if if a walker gets on top of her, Michonne has six more around her still, and you know, but and then she has to make a choice about saving Sasha or continuing to kill walkers and just add that tension to it. And they can still all come out okay and you know, someone can be a hero and so on. I'm not against that at all. Right. I just think I just think maybe, you know, it's always the last one and then somebody rescues them and then that's it. And, you know, everything, everything's fine. Yeah, that's so, true. So I just, you know, mix it up a little. That's all I want. Uh, so we go to a commercial and we come back. There's Daryl and Aaron again. They're sneaking through the woods. They come across a big pile of severed limbs, legs, arms, torsos, things like that. No torsos. And legs though, right? Legs, there was legs and arms and things, but no torsos. Was there no torso? Not that I could see. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Um, but anyways, severed body parts, and Daryl says that it just happened. So he can yeah. tell by the by the juiciness of the parts, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Uh, they continue on a bit, and they find a woman tied to a tree who's been gutted. Her whole stomach and intestinal area has been ripped out, it looks like. Gross. Daryl raises her head and finds a W carved into her forehead. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as he does that, she opens her eyes and begins to come back as a zombie, and he stabs her in the head. No, you know, no threat there. No must, no fuss. That's right. So the people that Daryl and Aaron are tracking are the people that are carving Ws into zombie heads, it looks like. Yeah, and stealing zombie torsos. And stealing torsos. So what could they be doing? I don't know. Um, are they are they killing people on purpose and carving Ws? Why would they tie someone up and with a W and let her come back tied to a tree like that? Maybe it was a warning. W for warning? I don't know what that W is for, but maybe uh, doing that was a warning to somebody else or even to that lady. I'm going to give you a warning by killing you. Do you think maybe they know they're being trailed by Daryl and Aaron and they leave that zombie there as a, you guys might want to back off? Maybe. They need need to do something a little more overt if they want that to happen. They do, I suppose, but that's what I thought. It's like... You know, they know they're coming, which is bad for Daryl and Aaron, I think, if they know that, if they are aware that they're there. So yeah, this is a warning zombie. Be careful. Tread lightly is what they're trying to say. Yeah, You should probably just put a sign on the, uh, on the tree saying, back off. Yes. Guys. Back off, you two, one with a crossbow. <laughs> yes. And one in a very nice clean shirt. We don't like you. Uh, anyways, we, they don't back off because, you know, they're, they're, they're Daryl and Aaron. They never back off. We cut back into the town though. And Jesse is having a cigarette in her garage. Rick comes in and he confronts her about the abuse. And Jesse says it'll stop because it was like this before and Pete got help. So, you know, he'll be okay. She can deal with it. She thinks. Right. She's wrong, but whatever. Right, but, you know, that's what she's saying. And Rick says that she can't fix this, but he can. And he claims that the next step will be her dying. It's not going to end until she's dead. And uh, Jesse questions why he cares and then says that, you know, he, she kind of realized why Rick cares and says, I'm a married woman. Yeah, he don't care. You better back off. No, he doesn't care. But, you know, I think Jesse is 
is this the first time maybe she's sort of coming to the realization that Rick is coming on to her a little bit? I think, no, I think that she's been harboring that kind of thing for a while. I don't think that that's new to her. I think that it's finally come gotten to the point where she has to say something, but I don't think it's a, a realization. Yeah, it's suddenly become, it's suddenly become important or, or it factors into what's going on, right? She didn't have to deal with it before. Yeah, that's right. Now, but now she does. So Rick walks back out onto the main street and he looks around at what's happening out there. And he sees a bunch of seemingly regular everyday stuff, like people chatting, kid walking a dog, um, a kid running with the red balloon that he saw earlier. And But Rick seems to be getting more and more agitated by all these things. Yeah, normality is just pissing him right off. Yeah, that's what it was. Like, And I read, the, I read this scene as, like, Rick is looking at all these regular things, but he was reading too much into them. Like, he was... You know, he was no longer able to accept things at face value, and everything he saw just made him more and more angry about this. Yeah. Which, you know, is to me the sign of someone who's not really thinking straight. You know, he's 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 focused, and he is just 100% focused on this one thing. And no matter what's going on around him, and contrary to any evidence that he sees, he can't get over the fact that, like, this is wrong, and I am here to fix it. Yeah. So. He's becoming unhinged in my opinion. I agree. I think he's really becoming unhinged, but I think we'll talk about more about that in a bit. Um, he immediately bursts back into Jesse's house, and he tells her straight up that Sam asked for a gun. So that's his way of convincing Jesse that, you know, there's a real problem here. Your son wants the, a gun to protect himself and or kill somebody. Yeah. And he says that in here, it's just like out there. If you don't fight, you die. So you got to fight this. Now, Rick says again that he can keep her and her boys safe. All she has to do is say yes and then basically invite him to do that. Now, Rick's getting closer and closer to her as they're talking. And I was kind of getting ready for another kiss, but uh, it doesn't happen. And Jesse asks Rick, would you do this for anybody else? You know, is this just me or would you do this for anybody? Good question. It is. And I was surprised by the answer because he says... No, I wouldn't do this for anybody else. I would only do this for you. And then Jesse says, yes, which is the indicator that now Rick can has permission to protect her. Right, because he loves her. He, he is. So when he says no to her, he's essentially admitting to her, to her face, her feel, his feelings for her. Yep. And I was like, that's a, that's a bizarre answer. I mean, doesn't that just make him sound more nuts? Like, if he would do this for everybody, that makes kind of sense, right? He's a police officer. He's a good person. He wants to help. No matter who it is, he wants to help them. But he's saying, no, I wouldn't do this for anybody. If someone else that I didn't like was getting beat up, I'd let it happen. But it's you, so I can't let this happen. To me, if I was Jesse, that would make me less inclined to have Rick help me because he's obviously losing his mind. Well, yes and no. I mean, it might be also a ploy for him to get her to do what he wants, you know, to, to make the right choice. And he knows that there is uh, this sexual tension between them. So he's using it to manipulate her into doing the right thing, getting away from her husband. You know, he, uh, he might not mean it. I know he does, he likes her and uh, there is that, uh, that chemistry between them, but he might not mean it. 
that it, he would only do it for her. He was only saying that to get her to, you know, opt in to his solution. Sure, but my my point is that he's he's he comes off crazier, I think, by saying no, I wouldn't do this for anybody than if he just said yes, I would because I'm a good human being. Yeah. Right? And you'd think in this situation he'd want to come off as not crazy as possible. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, he might also come across as sweet. Aren't you sweet that you would do this for me and uh, not anybody else? Yeah, I I think you have to really be ignoring a lot of the, the evidence to take it that way. If you're the recipient, right? If you're Jesse. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it was strange. I was sitting there fully expecting him to say, yes, I would help anybody because I'm just a good person. I'm... You know, this is what I do. And to me, that it made sense. It would have made sense then for her to go, okay, fine. I need help. You're the type of person who helps. So I'll accept your help. <laughs> but it went right. totally down the other way. So I thought it was strange. It is a little strange, but that that's the rationale I come up with is that he has to, he's trying to manipulate her. Yeah. Well, and it seems to work because she then said yes. But of course, just then Pete comes into the room questions what the hell Rick is doing there. Um, Pete asks him to leave, of course. Jesse says, no, you have to leave, Pete, which doesn't go over so well, as you might imagine. And Pete gets upset. Him and Rick start fighting, and eventually Pete gets thrown out the window. Yeah, they go out the window together. Yeah, they sure do. There's a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we see Sasha. She's up in the tower. She's watching a bunch of walkers outside the wall and she sees, she hears the window break and then sees people running sort of in the town. Some commotion is happening. Um, we see Pete and Rick, they're fighting on the street. They're strangling each other. We, you know, Pete's on top, Rick's on top. They both, they roll around a bit. Um, at one point, Pete is on top. Jesse runs up to pull him off, but he punches her back. Yep. No regard for anything. All he's focused on is this fight. Um, Rick rolls up on top. Carl does the same thing. Rick pushes Carl back. Yep. Admittedly, not as violently as Pete did to his wife. Right. But still, he pushed his son away. They continue fighting, and Rick gets Pete in a headlock and then sees the red, bo red balloon floating away up into the sky. There you go. That and boat is all done with that balloon. It is. The boat is done. The kid is done. That red balloon is going away. It's it's floating up into the sky like a beacon of not hope. <laughs> Where do you think they got the helium? Oh, helium. They probably have a helium tank in the uh, Alexandria party room. You, you think so? Yeah. Why not? Alexandria is a planned community. They have everything they need, including a party room with tanks of helium for blowing up balloons. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And sucking into your throat and making you talk funny. Well, then they could, they could make a dirigible and, uh, you know, have a have a sniper's nest that's floating in the air. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Forget Sasha in the tower. Put her in the blimp, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, just then, Deanna arrives, and she, of course, yells at them to stop. And they kind of do. Rick says that if to Pete, if you touch her again, I'll kill you. And then some of the Alexandria men start to approach, but Rick pops up and points his gun at the approaching people who back off. Oh, yeah. And he's clearly, 
he's clearly upset. He's got blood covering his face. And he goes on a rant about how none of the Alexandrians understand how to live in this world. He says their way of doing things is done. And starting right now, they have to control who lives here. Which is, you know, the next line by Deanna, where she says, that is very clear to me now, was probably my favorite line of the episode. It was pretty good. It was really, really good. Um, so Rick continues ranting. Meanwhile, Sasha's picking off walkers from the tower that have congregated outside the gate. And uh, Rick continues on about how, you know, their way of doing things is wrong. And he sort of finishes off with, if you don't fight, you die, which is the same line he gave Jesse earlier on. And as he's just ranting and raving, Michonne comes up behind him and knocks him out. Yeah, just cold cocks him. Cold cocks him, cock drops the guy right there. So she's <laughs> dressed in her uh, uniform. Did she have her police uniform on at that she point? She had her police uniform on, which she did not have on while she was out and about doing her thing. Uh, no, I guess she had time to come back because Sasha had time to go up into the tower, right? So they might have been back for a little while. So she had yeah. time to come back, put on her police uniform and go on the beat, patrol the streets a little bit until a fight broke out. And then she decided that she needed to end that fight right then and there yeah. by knocking the crap out of Rick. Did you see what she hit him with? I didn't see anything. Oh, she, uh, no, I don't, I don't know what she hit him with. Did she, was she actually holding something? I thought she just punched him in the back of the head. Well, she could have, but I didn't see anything in her hand. They didn't show her hand at all. So, uh, maybe, maybe not. Okay. Well, um, she probably butt ended him with the handle of her pistol or something like that. But he goes down. She stands there for a second. Nobody says anything. And, uh, that's the episode. So, Talk about Rick being unhinged a little bit. He's clearly losing it again. Well, yeah, because he's got uh, he's got a woman he loves and her, you know, beaten husband, and they get into a brawl, and he's just finally everything comes to a head, and uh, he just goes on a rant. Yeah, and nobody died. Pete is still alive. Rick, of course, is still alive. Um, and the whole thing, more or less, played out how I thought it would. You know, these guys had to would have to have have, or I assumed there would be a big confrontation, there'd be a fight. I kind of expected someone to die in the fight, either Pete or somebody else who gets maybe caught in the crossfire or, you know, punched, punched down in such a way that they smack their head and, and are dead or something, but nobody died. So nothing too surprising about how this went down, in my opinion. No, nothing too. So I knew they would get into a brawl of some kind, but I don't think he. I, I don't think uh, Pete would have died outright. Figured Rick could kill him later. Yeah, maybe. Um, I do. I was a little surprised by Rick's Rick's rant. Like he's clearly used this to to make his feelings known. Although he's he, he kind of did that earlier with Deanna as well. But this, you know, he's obviously got some strong feelings about the way they are in Alexandria. Yeah. And he used this opportunity to let them know. Um, but at the same time, I feel like Rick, I didn't love Rick in this episode. And I feel like they're, they're writing Rick to be either totally sane or totally crazy all the time. He's not the most middle of the road guy he he like i felt rick was way too nuts in this episode in my opinion he was pretty uh overtly crazy 
And and I and I know you could easily swap in the word maybe experienced or opinionated for crazy because he does have that experience from being outside the walls and on the road for so long. You know, he knows how to survive. And he's gotten to a place where the people don't or they know how to survive in a different way and it's not the same as the way he would do it. Yeah. And it just I just feel like Rick is He's too far gone one way. He needs to open his mind a little bit. And I'm not saying get soft. I'm not saying that he needs to be, um, that he needs to totally give in to the way Alexandria does stuff. But I do think he needs to accept the fact that it's a little different. And there may be things about the way they live in Alexandria that he could learn and that he could mix into his repertoire of survival. Yeah, he just needs to chill. Maybe chill a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. At the same time, I was thinking about this last night after watching it, and it's it it could be that I just feel like I'm upset because you know Rick's a character that I really like. I like him. I like the character a ton, but he's clearly so damaged that he's just not a he's not right, and maybe that upsets me a little bit. I don't know. I I can't really put my finger on exactly why. This bothers me so much. Yeah, I thought he was a little uh, a little crazy, and it just, it, I don't know, this episode kind of felt out of character for Rick to me. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 it did bother me uh, quite a bit. And it, actually, uh, Michonne cold-cocking Rick at the end of that kind of felt out of character for Michonne as well. So I'm not, I was surprised by that particular, I thought somebody, something was going to happen that would... Uh, diffuse the situation rather quickly, but I didn't think it was going to be Michonne. No, but, you know, Michonne's been put in a position of power. She's the other police officer in this town. So in theory, if you have, you know, a maniac running the streets, it's her job to take care of it. And she did in, in a, in a fairly appropriate way for what was going on. You know, you could point guns at Rick all you want, but he wasn't going to shut up. No. So it's either knock him out or just try to drag him off somewhere until he calms down. But um, yeah, this episode didn't work as well for me in general as the last few since they got to Alexandria. It was probably probably my least favorite at Alexandria. Yeah. And another thing that I kind of didn't like about it is I felt like there was way too much stuff with Sasha. So? Yeah, I feel like we've been getting enough of kind of Sasha's post-traumatic stress disorder in the last few episodes, or at least just the right amount. And now all that really came to a head. I mean, I feel like Sasha's a goner now. We've saw, we've seen her so much. I, I wouldn't be surprised if next week she's dead. Okay. I don't, I don't see, I didn't see that coming. I don't, I I, I sort of not agree with you, but then I sort of agree with you. So maybe. (laughs) <laughs> so maybe <laughs> I don't know it just there was too much I don't think we needed all of it well I've already talked about how I didn't love the scene where they were fighting the walkers because it was a bit cliche maybe yeah. if that scene hadn't been so cliche I would have I would have been okay with it but it just felt like there was too much Sasha and um, honestly a little bit of too much uh, Rick dealing with the Pete problem like you know, we had him and Carol talk about it again. Then he went to talk to Jesse about it. And all the same stuff was sort of came out of those conversations. And then we had the fight, which was totally predictable and so on. So Rick's rant at the end wasn't totally predictable, but 
Um, but I didn't, I felt like it didn't really save the episode from some of the shortcomings that I was feeling as it was going on. Right. Um, so anyways, I also didn't like how much blood Rick had on his face. It felt gratuitous. Pete had like nothing or very little. And Rick was drenched in blood. Like he'd just been, you know, just had a bucket poured over him on a stage in a high school. <laughs> like Carrie? <laughs> like Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for getting my reference. Um, <laughs> So I don't know. I'm like, it just felt the whole thing felt a bit gratuitous. Um, so yeah, not not my favorite episode. But uh, no, yeah, everything kind of everybody. I'm just going to you know maximize here. Everybody was way out of character in this episode for me. Yeah, it was, except maybe for Daryl and Aaron. Oh, and, Daryl and Aaron, that was a nice uh, nice little storyline, just uh, you know to bring them back into the fold and to check out what's going on with the W's. It was, but and the thing about that was, I feel like we didn't get nearly enough of it. I wanted more of what they were doing because I felt like they are out there getting involved in a situation that is setting up things that are going to happen next week. And this episode felt a bit like a stopgap to next week, you know, between Happy Alexandria and what's about to happen with whoever these W wolves are that Daryl... And Aaron are out tracking. So right. I wanted more of what was going on with those guys. We'll get that next week. We will. And it's a 90-minute episode. So we'll we'll get, I hope, lots of it. But I think they could have done a little less Rick and Sasha, a little more Daryl and Aaron, and it would have balanced out better, and it would have led into the season finale better. Okay. So there you go. Um, that's it. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, if I had to rate this episode, probably only three and a bit out of five. Oh, really? Yeah. Three I, and where, a bit. Whereas the other Alexandria episodes have been definitely a four or higher out of five for me. Yeah, I think I would give it uh, almost a four. Almost? Almost a four. All right, fair enough. Um, one quick comment here from a listener before we take our break. Uh it sort of uh, lines up with my feelings, I think. MT on the internet writes, I don't have a holy crap, but a thank God. Thank God Michonne hit Rick in the face. I couldn't listen to him any longer. <laughs> I find that Rick, Pete, Jesse storyline pretty boring and too soap opera-y. Mm. Thank <laughs> and God. That, that sums it up. So thank God she punched him in the head. <laughs> All right, that is our recap for Season 5, Episode 15. There's only one more next week, but uh, we still have to finish this podcast. And when we come back after this short break, it's Holy Crap, Did You See That? Stay with us. Is this where the music goes? Yes. Awesome.
If you want to help support The Talking Dead, there are a couple of great ways to do that. First of all, you can use our Amazon links by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and clicking on the store of your choice, the one that's best for you, closest, or the one that you shop in normally. We have, uh, we have links for the U.S. store, the Canadian store, the U.K., Spain, France, and Germany, I think, is the full list. So whichever one you like, click on those. And then when you do all your shopping at Amazon, a tiny percentage of your purchase comes to us, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So it's a really great and easy way to help support the show. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, where you can make a small monthly pledge uh, to help us out. And depending on the level that you choose, there's a couple of really neat rewards, including a uh, one-of-a-kind, unique, hand-drawn zombie comic, not comic, illustration by friend of the show, Dave. So check that out at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. We really appreciate everyone who supports us, and uh, we love you all. We do. It's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? If you've never listened to the podcast before, this is the section of the show where we read your submissions for moments from the episode that made you jump up off your couch and say to whoever's around, maybe yourself, Holy Crap, Did You See That? Yeah, yelling at the TV is encouraged. Encouraged, absolutely, because we know it happens to a lot of people every week when they're watching The Walking Dead. And uh, apparently, Jason, it happens occasionally when people are listening to our podcast, too. Well, holy crap, did you see that? That's weird. Well, the first one comes from Derek in New Zealand, and it's uh, kind of a holy crap. He says, Chris, he's talking about our Ask Us Anything podcast from Saturday. He listened, and he said, holy crap, Chris called us, the listeners, users. (laughs) (laughs) on the Ask Us Anything podcast. That's awesome. And Jason didn't even notice. (laughs) I didn't notice. They're users. You didn't call... Well, that's because we both work in uh, software development and everybody is is a user. Well, I'd like to continue Derek's comments because he said, I think perhaps the two of you have been in the IT game for too long. (laughs) At least, uh, didn't you call them customers at one point? Uh, no, that was a that was another listener who oh. called in and referred to it as the customer feedback show. Oh yeah, customer <laughs> feedback. That's awesome. No, you're not customers. You're not users. You are listeners. And dear I, patrons, and patrons, dear dear patrons, I De- apologize. Dear sweet friends. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize for messing that up, but it just came out of my mouth, and I noticed it when I was listening back to that podcast when I was editing it a little bit and getting it ready for release. So uh, yeah. sorry about that. I didn't catch it. Eh? Usually I call you on shit like that. Yeah. And that's, you know, I appreciate that because you need to, because sometimes I just ramble on and say dumb stuff like that. And that's what you're here for. Make sure right. I stay in line. Uh, okay. Another one kind of related to our Ask Us Anything podcast comes 
from at Celtic TSO on Twitter. First, uh, first holy crap we've had that I've pulled from Twitter. So congratulations. It says he says holy crap. A day after Jason praised ninety nine red balloons. Red balloons sparked Rick's craziness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird how shit like that happens, man. It is. I have, uh, yeah, I have insight into weird psyche stuff on the show. Well, do, do you remember how for years or months anyways, you thought uh, you thought somebody on the show's name was Jasper? Might have been Morgan. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Lou Temple. Oh, it was Lou Temple. It was... Yeah. Um, Oh my God, I can't remember Axel. his name. Axel, yeah. Axel, I thought his name was Jasper, yeah. You're calling him Jasper forever? And then uh, there's a scene on the show where Daryl picks something up off the road and it's Jasper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced they put that in there because they. Yeah, th- uh, this is a little like this was just on uh, on Saturday that I said this. So I doubt they had time to write it into the show between Saturday and Sunday. Totally. The red balloons thing, not at all. That's just dumb luck. Yeah. But the Jasper thing, I'm pretty sure that was intentional. anyways thank you to you two for pointing those things out uh michael in london says my holy crap moment was when they actually gave rosita's character some development and emotion normally she is used for background shots in tiny hot pants or steamy sex scenes in libraries don't get me wrong i love those scenes but it's good to see her do something this time around yes (laughs) not wearing hot pants it is true and one thing i'll add to that is i was amazed by how different she looked once she kind of got cleaned up and took her hat off. I, for a second, I didn't recognize her when she walked into the room just after Michonne got up in the morning. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, wait, who's that? Or, uh, you know, I thought it was some, some, um, new, uh, Alexandria character, but then I realized it was Rosita. I'm like, man, she cleans up nice. Well, she needed an assault rifle in my opinion to be, you know, full Rosita. That's true. She didn't have her giant assault rifle. So, Um, but anyways, yeah, it's good to see her doing something. That was one thing I should have mentioned that I did appreciate about those scenes out in the forest with uh, Sasha and and Michonne, that Rosita was there and not just sort of a background character as she usually is. No, it was nice. Does that mean she's going to die? No, I hope not. But I think, uh, I think Sasha might be not long for this world. Right. Okay. um, Amy on the internet writes, holy crap. Did you see Carol's penmanship? (laughs) And then Deanna just goes and burns the card. Come on, lady. Not cool. Also, who leaves a warm casserole on the porch? Clearly, they don't appreciate what it's like to be hungry like Rick's group has. Yeah. See, that's the you never leave an apology pizza or an apology or a, a sympathy tuna casserole just sitting on the porch. You just don't do it. Even if you don't want it, you take it inside and then throw it out, right? No, you take it inside and eat it and poop it out later. <laughs> that'll teach it. <laughs> that'll, that'll teach it. Oh, God. Thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> um, uh, Jessica in Long Island writes, Holy crap, did you see those ridiculous evergreen trees surrounding the Alexandria graveyard? I get that they want to make the area private, but was planting an artificial Christmas tree farm the way to do it? It was supposed to be a tense scene, but I just kept giggling at those goddamn trees. I was going to call that out. I'm glad I didn't, because uh, this gives the uh, our user there the uh, the opportunity to uh, to comment on it. Quit it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I noticed that it was. It looked pretty ridiculous. It looked like they planted those trees like 15 minutes before uh, they dug up those graves. Uh, you know, half an hour ago. 
So yeah, it looked pretty ridiculous. Maybe they maybe they're you know they're thinking about Christmas coming in a, in a few months, and this is where their Christmas trees are going to come from. Maybe I don't know. All I know is I've tried to plant trees like that in my backyard a million times, and I cannot keep the damn things alive. So whatever that's because doing, you got that monster tree sucking up all the sunshine. I know, I know, but those things are supposed to do okay in you know medium sun, and they get some sun, but I just can't keep them alive. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Do you spray it with a hose? Yes, I water them. Okay, that's good. That's a good start. It's a good start. <laughs> it is. Anyways, uh, Matt in Clementon, New Jersey. For my holy crap moment, I will say the fight between Rick and Pete. Not the actual fight, which of course included another Alexandrian getting punched in the face. Yes, I noticed that. That was awesome. <laughs> All right. We're four for four or whatever yep, it is now. We are. Um, Matt goes on. But the fact that I thought Rick might actually lose it, he means the fight. Pete seems a little bigger and stronger than Rick, and there were a few moments when I thought, holy crap, Rick is going to need help to win this fight. It's rare that Rick is not my favorite in any scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right? I, you know, I, I, Rick clearly lost his mind, but he almost lost that fight, too. He did. I, I thought that Rick would, would have taken him apart in about 4.3 seconds. You know, I didn't think it would be a knockdown drag out, out the window, rolling around on the on the on the street kind of fight. Uh, I figured Rick would have just, you know, he, he would, Pete would have taken a swing at Rick and Rick would have ducked, done what Glenn did, basically. Duck and then counterattack and that'd be the end of it. So I was, that's why, one of the reasons I thought that it was a little out, out of character for Rick to uh, to continue on a brawl like this. That that did, that is how it started though, right? Pete took the first punch, Rick ducked and then punched him back. But I guess that wasn't enough to end it right there because obviously yeah. they went out the window. Yeah. So um, that seems to be the move, the trademark move of everybody in uh, this group. Glenn does it. Rick does it. Um, I'm pretty sure we've seen someone else do it too, avoid a punch like that and then counter. Uh, I do it in Assassin's Creed all the time. That's the extent of my uh, counter moves. <laughs> well, that's how you uh, how you fight in Assassin's Creed is you hang around until somebody takes a swing at you and then you press the X button or whatever the hell it is. You have to counter and then get back at them. That's right. Yeah. All right, Scott Nash from the Nashcast podcast in Basingstoke, Hampshire, New England. Hampshire. I always want to say Hampshire, but I know it's Hampshire. It's not the Shire, my friend. It's not the Shire. It's Hampshire. Scott says, my holy crap moment was when Pete got thrown through the window, but even better was just before when he shouted at Rick, who the hell do you think they are? And my fiance quickly replied with, Rick Grimes, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully in uh, her best Jesse Pinkman voice. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Uh, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Holy crap, Rick's speech. After a brutal fight that managed to include everything from domestic abuse, a Wild West-style throw-through-the-front-window, and a Fight Club-esque circle of spectators, we get one of the most powerful bits of dialogue in the series. Rick's crazy eyes and blood-soaked face were the perfect accessory to this rant. So James is a little more on board with Rick's rant than than I think we were. It sounds like it. Which is totally fine. Everyone uh, needs to have their own opinion. Angie in Birmingham... Birmingham. As for my holy crap, when are Rick's group going to start listening to him? That rant after the fight was 100% right. He was spot on, but bam, Michonne cold cocked him. I'm almost certain she did to make sure uh, they weren't kicked out on the spot. Rick went full dictator. Never go full dictator, but he was right. That's true. 
maybe she yeah she did it to uh, she did it to save him. Well, that I agree with. You know, he was losing his mind, but she did it to save him, and she didn't want like all of their friends and everyone to get kicked out all at once, um, right. or immediately on the spot kind of thing. I still don't agree that Rick was one hundred percent right, but Michonne's behavior in that moment, like I don't know, I think Michonne. Like, yeah, I don't think, as Angie says, I don't think Michonne agrees with him. It wasn't just that she didn't want to get kicked out, but she just needed him to stop talking. Right. Right. And Which is important. There were no indications that he was going to stop talking in that moment. Uh, Miles in San Francisco. My holy crap, did you see that moment? Was at the end of the episode, right when I thought Rick was going to take over Alexandria, Michonne KOs him. I did not see that coming. It was out of the blue. Yeah, it was. Uh, Chris in Mountain House, California, which is an awesome place. It is. <laughs> Mountain House. Sounds like it. Uh, holy crap. Rick has officially turned into Shane. He said you can't let someone go. You have to kill them. Seems Shane and Rick had this same conversation in 18 Miles Out, and Rick felt very different. Yeah, that's Remember, true. That's when, they were, that's when they were taking Randall away, and Shane's just like, we got to kill him. And Rick decided that, no, we're going to just take him far away, 18 miles, and leave him somewhere. So um, seems like the tables have turned a little bit, and Rick is a little bit more like Shane than he uh, used to be. Better start growing his ears. He better, man. He's got to get those big earlobes going. Chris in the UK, my holy crap this week was how much this the scenes with Jesse and Rick reminded me of scenes with Laurie and Shane. The final scene before the fight could have been word for word from any season two scene with those two. Only this time, I'm on Shane's side, I guess. I suppose there is a difference in that the husband this time is a certified douchebag, but is that enough for him to be right? Oh my God, is he certified? (laughs) He's a certified douchebag. He's got a certificate and everything that says, (laughs) you completed douchebaggery 101. So he's a certified car carrying douchebag. Apparently, according to Chris in the UK, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, but again, this just is reinforcing what uh, different Chris in Mountain House, California said about uh, this sort of reminding or calling back to uh, when Shane was still around and Shane acting the way Rick is now. Yeah, very interesting. True. Paul in England, this, is, this one's probably just me, but holy crap, they opened the show with my favorite Nine Inch Nails song. <laughs> Well, uh, he recognized it then. Yeah, absolutely. He knew the song. I think uh, somebody else sent in the lyrics, and if you read the lyrics to that song, they are appropriate to this episode, which is not uncommon. Um, But uh, I didn't write down the name of the song, but I'm sure we can figure that out if you want to go find the lyrics. Sarah in Sydney. I don't know if that's Sydney, Australia, or Sydney, Nova Scotia. But but, uh, there's probably other Sydneys around the world, too. Uh, Anyways, Sarah says, Holy crap. In Roman times, being overweight was a sign of wealth, as only the very rich had enough food. In modern times, a good manicure is a hallmark of wealth, both in terms of time and money. I knew the citizens of Alexandria were well off as compared to the rest of the world, but I was still shocked by Deanna's perfectly manicured and polished fingernails we saw in the first scene as she loads the CD. My wife commented on that. She's like, oh, that she has, uh, she has a manicurist. It's like, well, maybe she has time to do her own nails. Like, no, those are perfect. Yeah, that's that's having somebody else do your nails for you. 
well, fingernails. People all people really pay attention to the the fingernails on this show because if you remember when Andrea, back by the governor, was tied up to a chair, and the zombie was in the room. Oh uh, no, sorry, Milton was in the room turning into a zombie, and she was trying to free herself. Yep. People were looking at her toes and fingers, I think, and really wondering why they were so nice and perfect. <laughs> it's uh, it's all about effort. I guess so. You you travel with a manicurist in this uh, in this world. Um, Jess in Toronto writes, "My holy crap moment was Rick chucking Pete through the window, partially because it was badass, but also because it was just last episode that he was explaining the broken window theory to Jesse." That's true. And in this episode, Rick's smashing windows. Maybe that's what he meant by the broken window theory. My thought on it was like way out the window. A broken window. So, so his broken window theory is when somebody pisses you off, throw them through a window. That's right. If <laughs> if there's no other recourse, throw them through a window, yeah, and it, <laughs> that'll be that. When in doubt, throw them through a window. I think so. Rick's theory is a little uh, a little more simpler than yours. Yes. <laughs> All right. Finally, Christian in Sweden. Holy crap, did you see Nicholas get the gun that will definitely get him killed? You think so? You think it's, or do you think it's going to kill somebody else? Yeah, I don't, well, I don't, I think either way that gun will be one of the reasons Nicholas does get killed. Either he kills someone with it and then gets killed because of it, or that gun is going to be the actual weapon used in his murder. Um, I think, though, either way, it's probably going to end up poorly for him. Right, so it's Chekhov's gun. Well, yeah, we've seen that gun twice now, and it hasn't been fired yet, so it's got to be fired next week. I would think so. And uh, whether it's being fired at someone else by Nicholas or at Nicholas by someone else, I think either way, Nicholas is toast. Yeah, it could be. I have, you know, I have a feeling that next week might be a rather bloody episode when it comes to character death. So we're going to get like four or five people dying? Nicholas is going to die. If you if you ask me to make predictions on death, I say Nicholas Sasha, um, probably various unnamed Alexandrians. And I think that some, one of the main, like, top eight central characters is going down next week. You think so? I do. I think so. And if I had to choose, I think either Glenn, Daryl, or... Carl. <laughs> Glenn, Daryl, or Carl? Carl might be a long shot, but I think Glenn or Daryl could be killed next week, and it's going to be massive, especially it's if not, it's Daryl. It's not going to be Daryl. can't be Daryl. Why not? It, I think it could be. I think Daryl has been around on this show for a long time. I'm not saying he's worn out his welcome, but I think that if they're going to do something huge, it might be Daryl. All right, so let's look up Norman Reedus and see what he's doing now. <laughs> well, I didn't do that. I just I'm just going on my gut feeling here. <clears throat> and... Let's just see if anything's in pre-production. So we do have some pre-production stuff. Uh, post-production announced uh, a Silent Hill video game. I guess that's not really a big deal. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like there's anything serious that uh, that would take him off the show. So I, well, let's look at uh, Stephen Yun. Well, I, I don't know if that's the best indicator. I mean, sure, sometimes it is. Sometimes guys book other shows or movies or whatever, but I just think that we're uh I just think we're in for a major character death and 
I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do a big one. And I, I just think it's going to be Daryl. I don't know why he's out there alone. Um, or not alone, but he's with Aaron. They're alone. They're, they're about to run into some people that really don't seem that nice at the very least. I think Daryl is being taken hostage by these people and, and, and beat up. And maybe part of the cliffhanger, if there is one after the finale is we don't know whether Daryl's alive or not. Right. So I don't know. I just have a bad feeling. I think it's going to be a huge episode next week in time and in events. I, okay. You, you looking at Steven Young? Do you have any feelings either way? Well, he's doing Chew. Uh, it's, it looks like an animated thing, but it's uh, Felicia Day and Steven Yun uh, doing uh, the comic Chew. Oh. That's which another, I think is another TV show, isn't it? Uh, it looks like they're both doing voices. So if it is a TV show, it's animated. Oh, okay. Uh, but that'd be awesome. I would love to see a Chew TV show. All right. Well, anyway. um, so you agree or disagree with my my death prediction here? I I disagree. I think that it's it's gotten too big to kill off uh, you know super actors like that super characters uh, in the TV show this big. No, that would be the worst though. If they feel see the show will have hit a point of no return if they decide that they are too big to kill off particular actors because if they do that, it's going to affect the quality of the show. Oh, yeah. And that's why I don't want them to do that, right? If they've decided that Daryl Dixon is so important to the marketing of this TV show, more so than the storytelling, that's when I will start to get upset. Yeah, I think we're there. Well, then I'm going to get upset, damn it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. You know, and I don't mean to upset you or, you know, put you on a path where you would feel like you would need to get upset. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, I, you know, it would be great and horrible if uh, if they started killing off or if they killed off a, a major character like that. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't see them doing it. Well, now I hope they do. I hope Daryl does die next week because it'll reaffirm my faith that they're in this to tell the best story possible and not just make the most money possible. Well, now you're going to get hate mail. That you hope that Daryl dies? Well, sorry, everybody. That's the way I feel. I want this to be the best show it can be. And... I don't I don't think it has to they have to kill Daryl to make it the best show. I don't think they necessarily have to kill anybody to make it the best show. It's the decision making process that the producers go through when and writers and directors and everybody who is involved and executives at AMC. It's the decision making process they go through when deciding what story to tell and how to tell it. And if that decision making is Daryl's a popular character, we cannot kill him because people won't like that and we'll stop watching the show, therefore we don't make as much money. That would piss me off. And I think most fans, most true fans of the show would agree with me there. Yeah. So anyhow, hopefully next week Daryl dies and uh, we can move on to season <laughs> six with daryl <Daryl-less>. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of The Talking Dead. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you want to send me hate mail about what I've just said about your favorite character, Daryl Dixon. And you, you should. Address it to uh, Jason Miles. <laughs> that's right. At TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. You can also give us a call on the toll-free line, which is one 843 9662 
Tweet us at Talking Dead on the Twitter or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Please, 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 if tomorrow, if the uh, March 24th isn't done yet, go and vote for us one more time in the podcast awards. Remember, if we win this, we're going to read, we're going to basically perform and I should probably put perform in air quotes an entire episode of The Walking Dead. We don't know which one yet, but... No, I don't think you should put perform in air quotes because perform is what's going to happen. You can perform badly. Okay. It is a we're performance. Not gonna, yeah, it's going to be a bad performance. I can guarantee that. It's going to be bad. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be a little bit fun, oh, yeah. isn't it? Hell of a lot of fun. All right. That's that's awesome. I, I I hope we win this thing because part of me really hopes we we uh, get to do this. So I, I heard a uh, a quote on uh, uh, this American Life podcast today. Yeah, if you're gonna fail, fail loudly. Well, if you want to hear us fail in the biggest possible way, yeah. vote for us in the podcast awards and help us win this sucker. Uh, hopefully, you have a little bit of time left. I'll get this episode out as fast as I can. Um, and, uh, and, uh, visit us, uh, at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon to find our Amazon links and go to Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead to help support us there. All right. We will be back on Wednesday with our feedback show for this episode. Until then, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening, everyone. Ciao, ciao. Is this where the music goes? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Do you want me to keep that in? <laughs> if you want. <laughs> Is there a song you'd like me to play this week? <sighs> twinkle, twinkle, little star? No, a, a, a real song. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's the same song. Ba, ba, black sheep. Have you any wool? Also the same song. <laughs> oh. Happy birthday? That's a different song. <laughs> Not appropriate for this break, though. Um, how about, let me guess, 99 red balloons. <laughs> no. Uh, just hold on one second here. Holding on. Jason is searching the internet for a song. Yeah. I am going to have a drink of water. Do it. Isn't there, isn't there a song called Try? Oh, I bet there's lots. Not the pink, uh... One, there was, I'm thinking of a song and I'm trying to sing it. No. <laughs> sing it into Shazam on your phone. It'll tell you. Shazam. Uh, all right, let's just search for try lyrics. What you need to do is go into iTunes, the store and search for songs called try. But don't do that now. Why don't we continue? Okay. If you want to help support the Talking Dead, there are...